Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. Last December, I started dabbling in CBD products because I'm a 66-year-old with aches and pains. I've had plenty of surgeries. I've had a knee replaced and a hip replaced and back surgeries, etc., etc., and I'd heard that CBD oil was good for what ails you. So I started messing around with different products. And I noticed uh, very quickly, it, it took maybe a couple of weeks for it to integrate in my system. But all of a sudden, I started waking up in the morning pain-free. So CBD oil has been working for me. And And then a couple of months later, you and I met at the PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando. And you started educating me a little bit more about CBD oil. And there's there's quite a bit to learn. And that's what you've been helping me with. You know, a couple of things that I would say. So one, and just to make it clear for, for folks that are listening, we tend to refer to the CBD product world as CBD oil. And just for clarification, the CBD oil is really the underlying form in which CBD comes in, which then gets incorporated into a variety of different product formats. And so most people are commonly referring to it as CBD oil because they're most familiar with what we refer to as a tincture, and that's the product in which you take um, from the dropper bottle sublingually, allowing it to absorb under your tongue. And that tends to be the most common product in the world of CBD products, been around the longest, and it seems to be one that most of the uh, product-driven companies tend to make available. You're the you're the co-founder and CEO of uh, HATH, H-A-T-H, and when we met at the merchandise show, I told you that I was taking the tincture, the tincture, how, I don't even know how to say it, the drops mm-hmm. under my tongue, and I was Oh, I've always been under the impression that this is a derivative of marijuana. I've never been a marijuana smoker, but you educated me as to not only where CBD oil comes from, but also the best way for it to absorb into your system. And you helped me a great deal because you gave me some patches and that's what I've been using exclusively since. So could you explain a little bit about the absorption of CBD oil. Yeah, you know what? First, I'll just clarify for people because this is a common common one as well that you mentioned. The difference between a hemp-derived CBD product and marijuana. Those are the two different sort of categories, both of which are essentially derivatives of cannabis. So the way people should think about it is you start with cannabis and then from cannabis, you determine whether you have hemp or marijuana. Marijuana is really an industry term. It's not really a scientific term. And the one differentiating characteristic to determine whether uh, your cannabis derivative is hemp or marijuana is the content of THC, which is the component that creates the psychoactive effect. And obviously, in traditional hemp products, you have a very minimal amount of THC or zero THC. Um, from an absorption standpoint, it's pretty straightforward. So none of this applies to cannabis specifically. Much of this just sort of applies to ge- general absorption rates across the um, spectrum of, of different 
products that can be absorbed through different means. So with CBD products, you typically have a tincture, you typically have a capsule, you typically have a cream. Uh, not so typically, you'll see patches. Uh, and yes, and thanks for mentioning that. So I'm the founder and CEO of Half CBD, which is an entity that focuses specifically on functional products. So products that really sort of function for a purpose. And what we did with Half is we centered our attention around a patch, primarily because a patch, when produced correctly, um, is one of the most efficient means of delivery. That's been so that that's been so helpful for me. The one thing that when I was using the drops under the tongue, some of them taste okay, some of them taste awful, and yeah. it, it's it's hard to to leave it under your tongue for the prescribed <laughs> minute or two minutes simply because uh, it, it's just hard to do. And then when you swallow it, as you pointed out, the absorption drops, but. Uh, the the patch has been so easy for me simply because I just I just peel it off I put it on my body I guess most people that are trying to quit smoking would think of it as like a uh, like a nicotine patch but I put it on the absorption rate at least your patch the half patch uh, is a uh, is a 24-hour absorption rate and I put one on the next day and I, I Jason, it's been so great for me. I wake up in the morning. I sleep better at night. I wake up in the morning. I don't have any of the the, the previous aches and pains, and and it's allowed me to go out and practice and play golf a little bit more often. And uh, actually, I feel like my swing speed is is up. I feel like my rotation in my in my golf swing is better. So it's been it's been something that a lot of us in the in the world of golf since we we may know spin rates and launch angles and and uh, loft and lie on our clubs but i think we're just entering into learning about things like cbd oil and what it's going to do for us down the road especially as we get older yeah no question again i'm i'm thrilled to hear that you're enjoying the patch and we've been excited about that product for a long time and particularly in um in areas that are very athletic driven or fitness driven because the product, these products should be thought about in general as products that are designed to help mitigate forms of inflammation. They, they obviously have other effects on the body and there's, but from a pain suppression standpoint, what's really going on is these products are just assisting with minimizing inflammation and they're, they're sort of interacting with components of the body of one's body that are naturally that naturally exist so you know at half we we actually anchor into um, sports fitness as you mentioned golf is a big initiative for us and and i think you know again as a function first product driven company and just with respect to products in general i don't think all these products are designed um, to work well in every in every lifestyle and so the patch tends to be that type of product that you can put on, you can forget about it. You really should be wearing it sort of preemptively um, as well as uh, as a recovery tool. Um, and as you do, uh, that 24-hour that period really allows you to do that. So you're wearing the patch before you even hit the course. Um, you're wearing it during the time in which you're on the course. You're wearing it, you know, after you finish the round. You're wearing it right on through into the next morning. And that's really the benefit of the patch. You know, to, to get that sort of 
same type of benefit with these other types of products. And again, being mindful of absorption, there's there's lots of um, repeat dosing, um, which which obviously makes it a little more administratively burdensome. So that's that's why we really, we really like the product. But again, a lot of these products they're designed to work in a similar way in terms of what they're doing for the body. Uh, and I think much of it comes down to what you are doing on a day-to-day basis to help determine which product formats are best for you. Yeah, and it depends on <laughs> how many surgeries you've had, what kind of injuries you've had. And as speaking as a 66-year-old, it's uh, I appreciate what you've been able to do for me with that patch. And uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us this morning. Uh, educating us a little bit more on CBD. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. They're rallying loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. People ask me all the time now, when I play in an outing or a tournament or just with friends, why do I play a yellow ball? Well... It's pretty simple, really, because I can see it. I can see the ball in flight all the way from the tee down to the landing spot, whether that's the fairway or, yeah, a fairway bunker. At my age now, I lose the white ball in flight. When Strixon first started making the Z-Star yellow ball and they put it in my locker, it was to hand out to my amateur partners in the Pro-Am. And I was thinking, I'm not going to play this ball. I'm going to play the white ball. But when they put it in play... I could see their ball, and I immediately thought, what in the heck? I could see that ball, and believe me, when you lose sight of the ball in flight and you don't know where it lands, it kind of takes a little bit of the fun away. So what I did right then, I switched to the yellow ball. I started playing it in the pro-ams, and eventually I started playing it in the tournament. Whenever you switch to a new ball, you're always worried about how that ball is going to fit in with what you do, how it affects your game. And I play it because it does everything I need it to do. I always think about proper spin, the proper trajectory, and the maneuverability of the shot. With the Strixon Z-Star Yellow Ball, I can curve it left to right, hit it high or low, and it has that perfect amount of spin that I need for my game. It's been about 10 years now since I put that ball in play, and I've never looked back. It's yellow for me for the rest of my career. If you do not wish to be recorded, please disconnect at this time. <laughs> no, please, please do not disconnect. Please do <laughs> not disconnect. Hey, I uh, appreciate you guys doing this. I'm so happy to be joined now. Two-time Masters champion Bubba Watson and his professional looper, Ted Scott. Ted, you've been caddying for Bubba now for, what, 12 years? 10, 12 years, something like that? We're on year 14 right now, Peter. Well, this is a... This year doesn't count, does it, because of this whole shutdown? So can't can't we go back to start over again this year? Do you think you think no, that's no, possible? I'm definitely counting it. It's very difficult <laughs> to work for Bubba, so I'm counting this as part of my time. It's like prison, man. I'm getting out soon. <laughs> the one hey, thing with that, my money, we're counting it. He took my money, so we're counting it. 
<laughs> yeah, you write the checks and Ted cashes. That that's the way to go. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I I worked with Fluff for just about twenty years on tour, and Bubba, it's so. As a player, we focus on trying to hit good shots and make putts and win tournaments. And when you find a guy like Ted for you and Fluff for me, when you find somebody that you're on the same page with, you're on the same wavelength, it's special. It, it makes playing the tour not only successful, but it also makes it enjoyable. Oh, 100%. I mean, a man of, man of God like Teddy, a man of integrity, respect, you know, all these things come to mind when you think of Teddy from other players, other caddies, and then when you talk about his knowledge of the game. But his friendship means more. Um, you know, he's got kids slightly older than mine, so he's been through the ups and downs, and he's teaching me. He's showing me. He's showing me how to be a, a great husband on the road, uh, a great uh, father, a great family man, um, and a lover of all people. And so then golf gets in the way. I mean, forget about golf. I mean, that's just the beauty of, of Teddy before the golf. And then when you throw in the golf, yeah, he calms me down. He relaxes me, tells me what I should be thinking about and not thinking about, you know, the water over there or the out-of-bounds over there. So the beauty of, of Teddy as a person and then the beauty of, of a great caddy, like you said, makes you tremendously better on the golf course. Ted, I, I've known you a long time. When you first started out, you caddied a little for Olin Brown and then uh, – uh, Paul Azinger, you guys were hanging out and doing some fun stuff together. But from my standpoint, your perspective on life, as Bubba just said, you have a fun outlook, a positive. You're, you always have a smile on your face, which coming to work every day, is, it's so helpful. Is that just something that you were born with? Um, I think, Peter, honestly, you just have a skewed perception because you're always smiling. Every time I see you first, and it's contagious. So, you know, it's hard to be around somebody who's smiling all the time. So, first of all, I'll give you credit, man. You're always – Well, I, that's I, that's my, you said that exactly and, the way I wanted you to say it, so thank you for that. That's right. <laughs> Jake, hey, I got the email for the text, so I appreciate it. I memorized that for you. But, uh, but anyway, no, you know what? I think um, I've always enjoyed life. I don't know why. Just as a kid, it's kind of to my downfall, I like so many different things. You know, I just I enjoyed waiting tables and selling perfume and caddying and playing. And so uh, I just try to wake up every morning and just enjoy whatever's in front of me. And, um, you know, I think that's why Bubba and I get along so well because really off the golf course, I mean, the dude is like sometimes it's like, okay, we should probably focus a little bit. We're in a tournament. You know, he likes to have so much fun. So, um, you know, it's just a great way to go about life. And I think the three of us are definitely kindred spirits in that in that part. Yeah, there's no question. I, I, the reason I love Bubba, when I first met you, Bubba, back, way back, gosh, I, when you were a rookie on tour, I was drawn to you because you always had a smile on your face. And when we would play practice rounds, you used to just love to needle me, and I would needle you back. And there aren't a lot of players <laughs> that like the needle like you do or like I do. And I think back to the skills challenge when we first played in that skills challenge when when you just love to needle Greg Norman by by hitting creative shots, and, and that was really when we saw Bubba Watson and how talented you were. Yeah, the, the atmosphere, that atmosphere, the, the fun event, which we all love, right? Uh, I can think about you um, up at uh, Rhode Island and those events up there. You know, thinking about all these, these fun events, in the golf course with the ropes are around us, it gets a little, for me personally, it gets a little tough because of the cameras, the people. I get a little skittish, a little scared of people and, and the big moments when the camera's around. And so 
getting in these fun events like a Greg Norman, like a you, um, thinking about all these other athletes that were with us, that's when you get to shine and, and shoot the breeze. I mean, we're all, we're all equal. We're all, we're all just trying to make it in this tough world. And, um, and being able to do that and joke around, you know, you're not going to, you can make fun of my golf swing all you want. You can make fun of all my stuff, but it goes out the other ear. So I don't think about it over the shot. I just think about hitting that shot at the moment and pulling it off in front of, you know, a handful of guys like I did uh, with Greg Norman there, which is the great Greg Norman. I mean, he was number one for many, many weeks. But, yeah, I just love doing it. I treat everybody the same. I'll needle anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. It's so funny because when I played my best golf, I always used the crowd as a distraction because I would get nervous. I'm kind of high-strung like you, and when I would get under pressure, sometimes I would doubt myself. I would question whether I had the ability to do it. And what I what I learned through the years, and Lee Trevino really helped me in this respect, and I worked with a sports psychologist named Chuck Hogan for years. Olin used to work with, uh, with Chuck as well. But he would uh, – I learned how to distract myself. I used to walk over to the water cooler. I'd see somebody – that I might know or has a logo on his shirt that I've played the golf course before. And I would almost take myself out of the moment, as you said, just kind of distracting something uh, on the golf course, which always helped me. And, and do you do things like that? Or you, cause it seems to me like you pop in and out of the moment. Yeah. Um, and that, and they're truly, the truly high moments, like the, the two masters, we'll just go off of those. Um, the truly high moments coming down the stretch. I'm usually locked in. Teddy can can answer the question as well. But I'm usually locked in when it comes to the high, high, high pressure moments. But usually Teddy can see me. And Teddy's that's one of the caddies or the looper's job is to distract you and, and try to get you focused on where he needs to bring you back to. He's going to learn you, especially after this many years. Teddy can learn where I'm maybe something, you know, off the course is distracting me, maybe something – on the course or somebody yelling, whatever it is, or just nervous that day. And that's what a great caddy would do. And somebody like Teddy, somebody like Fluff, that's what they're, they're so good at, right, bringing us back. But, yeah, in the high, high moment, I'm usually in there, and I'll even remind Teddy. I'm like, here, I'm here, Teddy. I'm here, Teddy. Um, but Teddy probably, you know, he, he comes out from a different angle, making jokes, telling stories, doing something else. Yeah, Teddy, one of the things that Fluff and I would always do when I got into contention he would always try to let me be me, but he always knew when I was getting a little uptight, I'd get kind of quiet. So he would start talking about music. We used to write songs. When I, when Paint Stewart and Mark Lyon did our Jake Trout and the Flounders, I would write songs out there, and I'd run lyrics by Fluff, and he always knew that it was time to talk about football or baseball or music because he could sense me kind of, kind of getting too much into the moment being locked in is a good thing but sometimes you just you just need to be kind of floating above it and it seems to me that that you provide that for for Bubba on a lot of occasions yeah I, I don't want to take any credit for his great play I mean I, but I think that's kind of the the goal of a caddy is to try to you know get your player in the best state of mind to perform you know I, I think that's why we marvel at people like Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods that are able to get in that place constantly. You know, they're always in contention week in and week out for year in and year out. I think um, it's a difficult thing, you know, the life that we live on the road and changing courses and, you know, the vibes of, of life, ups and downs, you know, family with illness or dying or stresses, worries, you know, that we bring a different mentality a lot of times to the golf course every day. And so 
I think the better caddies can definitely you recognize that in their player and then hopefully come up with, you know, a way to try to get them in that, that zone that they know they can be in because obviously Bubba's a world-class talent, you know, and when his mind's right, he's going to be in contention. So that's kind of the main goal, you know, is to uh, hopefully help him complete that task. When you when you talk about great caddies, and we just mentioned Fluff a few times, and you think about three different personalities that Fluff has caddied for, me to Tiger to Furyk. Now, you would not be able to put us three in the same category in terms of, <laughs> of, of the way we approach it or the way we are on or off the golf course, which tells you that, that Fluff really understands, has a great understanding of people and what he needs to do. But, Ted, when you started, you started working on the web.com tour, I'd say the Corn Ferry Tour now. You you had kind of a rocky start working for Grant Waite, I believe. Was that right with Grant? Yeah, I didn't even have a yardage book on the very first tee shot. So uh, it, was, <laughs> it was really rough. He asked me he asked me how far it was to uh, to cover that bunker, and I said, it's a two-iron. And he said, well, it might be a two-iron for you, but I don't know how far you hit a two-iron. So I stared off into the abyss until he asked me what it said in the yardage book. And then I told him I didn't have a yardage book. And he said, you don't have a yardage book. you got to get one. I said, where? So, yeah, that was uh, – I didn't know. I definitely couldn't have helped him in any aspect. I was a inside-the-rope spectator, as I like to call myself. Still doing a lot of that. I just pulled Bubba to make him believe with my jokes that I'm actually doing something. Yeah, I remember Fluff always used to tell me, you're not good enough to really worry about 143 or 148. He said, I just round up to 150 to make sure you get it there. And I think, you know, it worked, it worked out in a lot of occasions. But did you ever think starting on Corn Ferry Tour for Grant, you now in it, ended up with Bubba, two two green jackets, two wins at Augusta National, and 12 wins on on the PJ Tour. B- Bubba, I looked you up. I didn't know this, but you have an incredible playoff record. You're 5-1, and one, and the only loss you have in playoffs was in a major championship in uh, 2010, the PGA, to Martin Keimer. I... Uh, I didn't. I didn't realize your playoff record was so. He, he was birdied so the first hole too. By the way, he birdied the first hole, Peter. <laughs> so, Man, I even I, on that, that one. It's yeah, crazy. no, Bubba, that was that. That's something special to me. Uh, the the way that uh, the way that that you've uh, you've been able to handle yourself in playoffs. That's 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 pretty good. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny that playoff in particular. Teddy was off the bag. Uh, Teddy was um, second child, right, Teddy? What, and, what year was that? <laughs> 2010. Yeah, exactly. yeah. 2010. Yeah. No wonder you lost. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mark Karen. You know Mark what? Karen's you're got, very street smart. <laughs> hey, Mark Karen's got me there. What a what a great guy that is, and um, <laughs> he nice. is he's one of the best caddies uh, I've been around, hung out with. And for us to be under that kind of gun with him nervous, not knowing me. Um, not knowing my game, not seeing my game under pressure, right? He, I played a lot of golf with him, hung out with him a lot, but never in those moments. And for him to step up and, and help me, get me there, uh, pretty special. But, yeah, Teddy was – so that's why I lost because Teddy was not there. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> the real thing is – the real thing, though, under under that kind of pressure in the playoffs, I literally – this is what I tell myself. I'm already finishing second place. Like the worst I'm going to finish today is second place. And then when you think about what the second place check is, how that's going to help my family, help charity dollars, help things in my community, um, I mean, what a blessing that is. And so truly, that's truly my mindset in a playoff. Guess what? You just finished. Only one person beat you this week. 
And luckily for me, it's somehow I've won five and only lost the one. That's interesting because that, that would be a way that you would distract yourself, as we were mentioning earlier, and I think that's a great perspective. You've always had that type of fun, mischievous attitude, which I think is why a lot of people like me are, are drawn to you. But you always talk about family, your wife Angie, uh, Angie uh, Caleb, and Dakota, your son and daughter. And, and to me, that, that's really what, what means the most when I watch a PGA Tour player. We only see the player and the caddy on TV trying to win, but but there's so much depth to you. You're always always been committed to your family, your church, your faith, to charity, and you're you're heavily involved in in the community in Pensacola. You own an ice cream store. You own a minor league baseball team, a car dealership. Uh, so there's so much more to Bubba than I think we see or people know when they watch you on TV. Yeah, for sure. Um, Golf is, don't get me wrong, golf is always part of my life, will always be. Um, and I've, I've joked around and, and, and said, if you say I'm a golf, if you call Bubba Watson a golfer, you're limiting who he is as a person. So for me, you know, golf is my avenue, it's my platform to be able to do wonderful things, like the Children's Hospital here in Pensacola, you know, owning the baseball team, the candy shop, now a driving range, uh, the car dealership in Milton, Florida. So, yeah, when you, when you talk about me as a golfer, you're limiting me. That's what I believe, and that's what I – you know, that's what I strive in my head to to, to show myself I can do more. And, um, yeah, as, as you know, as a now a grandparent and as Teddy as a parent and me as a parent, life is, is not easy on the road. Uh, when kids are at home going to school, uh, when your wife's at home and you're by yourself, you know, it's about surrounding yourself with the right people. And, um, you know, again, it goes back to that's why I have Teddy on the bag. But, yeah, there's a lot more to me. There's a lot more to Teddy. There's a lot more to you, Peter, than um, – I mean, you're a singer, by the way. Um, and so, <laughs> well, about a twelve handicap as a singer, I would say. Right. Well, you're beating you're beating me and Ted. You're you're ahead of us. Um, <laughs> so, there's a lot more. The small window that they get to see our lives. You know, social media has helped with that. You know, these the golf channels help with that with some of their programs, podcasts, different things that you do uh, with with Jake Tate. Um, you got to show light of different players and and what they really are doing off the course and, and what they talk about and do off the course. And so it's, yeah, I think people just get that small glimpse on the PGA tour or, or on that moment when they're on the leaderboard. Um, but there's so much more to everybody um, that's hard to show or hard to showcase on a, on a golf channel or, a, or a, during a heated moment at trying to win a golf tournament. I'm a sports nut, and if you're anything like me, the first thing you do every morning is grab your phone and check to see what may have happened overnight in the world of sports. But Mondays are for golf. Once the weekend is over and the golf tournaments around the world are complete, whether they're on the professional tours or in the amateur world, I know I'll find what I need on Global Golf Post. It comes to my email every Monday morning delivering everything I need to know as I dissect what happened over that weekend. It also offers insight and analysis from experienced writers and contributors 
who are as committed to the game as I am. And it's pretty easy to sign up. Just log on to globalgolfpost.com and you're done. And for even more great content, you can subscribe to Global Golf Post Plus, which takes a deeper dive into the world of golf, exploring the people, places, and things that makes this game we love so intoxicating. And with Global Golf Post Plus, there's no advertising. Use the promo code JAKESTAKES when you sign up to receive 30% off your monthly subscription to Global Golf Post Plus. So remember, globalgolfpost.com. It's everything you're going to need to know about this game of golf. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up. You guys are always so good to me when uh, when I come driving up in my golf cart, whether I'm looking to do a piece on Jake's takes on NBC or Golf Channel, or I've written one of my crazy songs. You're always there to help me out, and to, when you lip sync and we do a music video, but that that just kind of fits your your personality, and I and I so greatly appreciate it. And it does. All the viewers get a get more of a view into who the players are. By, by not watching a seven iron from 190, uh, just having having be able to see somebody sit down and, and interact. Right, one hundred percent. I mean, you know, the the reason one of the reasons though, like we started out this whole conversation is your smile, your energy, your thought. Maybe it's because you don't have to make three footers anymore, but um, your smile. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, but your smile and energy you bring the fans. I mean, how much they love you. But it goes back to I'm going to tie this all in, but. But Fluff, I mean, look at the three people that we know that he's worked for. Look at how respected those three people are, how, how talented those people are, how by, beloved by all fans they are when it comes to you, Tiger, and Jim. I mean, that shows respect out of Fluff as well, right, that he's well-respected. But when you, when you tie this all in, it, it's you, when you bring that energy, you know, there's certain – I hate to say it, but there's media out there that it's just not fun talking to because they might be trying to look at an underlying story, but you always bring out the best in the people. You always look for the best in people, and you always talk about the best in people. No matter what's going on in that person's life, you're always looking for the best, and you're, you're promoting and you're, you're bringing the best out of other individuals, and that's what me and Teddy and all the people around the world love about you. Well, you're, you're awfully nice to say that. One of the things that when I do broadcast, and I'm up in a tower and I'm calling – your shot, or I'm calling Tiger shot, or anybody's shot, is I'm always looking at the next shot. I know sometimes uh, people criticize announcers for being too positive or, or having too much of an uh, that type of an outlook, but I'm always looking because I, I have to put my player's head on. If I see Bubba hit a hit too much of a draw uh, and you miss a par five, well, I'm looking. Do you have enough green to work with? What's the lie look like? Are you into the wind, downwind? How can you play your next shot? I'm never going to just sit there and kick anybody in the teeth when I when I broadcast. And that's kind of what I've always wanted to do with Jake's takes. I want to bring a lighter side to the players and show the fans who you really are. And I think back, I mentioned about Jake Trout and the Flounders with Payne and Mark Lyon. And I, I think back to the golf boys when you and Hunter, Hunter Mahan, Ricky Fowler, and Ben Crane did the golf boys. To me, that that's Bubba Watson. That's out there just laughing and joking and having fun. 
by letting people know how much you enjoy doing what you do. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, families get in the way. And then the PGA Tour, we're going to get – let's get on to uh, Jay Monahan a little bit, even though I love that man to death and his family. But, um, you know, going this world, this, this year-round tour, you know, we don't have those three to four days where we can get away from the family, or especially our kids. Um, and get the golf boys going again. We all need it. I mean, let's be honest. We all need it. Maybe we need to get a caddy, a caddy version going. That would but be yeah, great. Maybe, that would be awesome. You know what? Let's just let's just drop. Let's just do it right now. Let's just drop all the golf boys and me and Teddy. Just get after it. We need to. We need to. <laughs> we need it. Well, I wrote a song. I want you guys to know that I wrote a song during this uh, this shutdown on slow play because it's something that plagues the PGA Tour. Really, it plagues all of golf, but it's called On the Clock. And I will, I will, I'm will, i going to probably record it, and I'll make sure that uh, you guys hear it. But I think there are so many players on tour that have so many different talents, not just be able to hit a golf ball straight and long and, and make putts, but there's a lot of talent out there, and I agree with you. I think – I look at Teddy Scott. I've played golf with Teddy. You came down and did a pro-am for me in Naples last fall at the Immokalee Foundation. You're an unbelievable storyteller. You just wowed everybody with your personality. And you hit you, you hit beautiful golf shots. So there's a lot more to the caddies and certainly to Ted Scott than people realize. Oh, thank you. 100% the confidence. Yeah, 100%. Teddy, you can answer this as well, but there's so many great players that, that are now caddies, and, and for whatever reason, maybe it was to help out a friend, maybe it's because they just didn't have the backing, maybe whatever it was, doesn't matter, but they, um, they're such great players, but they're great people, like I said. I mean, there's, no re- there's a reason why Fluff is still out there um, competing for his pro, competing for, for trophies, and people respect him, and when you think about it, I mean, Fluff, every day, I've said this to him personally, his mustache and the way his mannerisms are, I mean, my dad, you know, passed away of cancer, and and you know, too young in 2010, but um, you know, fluff. I see my dad in fluff, and um, so I, I just I respect that man and, and love that man to death. And and again, I, I respect you, but you got to hang out with one of my favorite guys of all time, Payne Stewart. I wish I could have been able to shake his hand and just tell him thank you for letting me have somebody a role model to look up to. But anyway, that was enough about Mike. Go ahead, Teddy. Oh no, I'm good. I was I was just saying thanks to the wonderful compliment. That was super nice with Peter. Well, I'll tell you two things about Payne. Payne Stewart uh, was was an amazing guy, and he would have loved you, Bubba, because whenever we would record as Jake Trout and the Flounders, or whenever we would play practice rounds, we were always needling each other and joking and bringing fans inside the the ropes like you do and letting people know how much how much fun we were having. He didn't want anybody to think that golf was work because playing the PGA Tour is not work. We work hard at it, but it's so much fun for us to be able to chase a little ball around the world and make a great living and support our family. And and then over to Fluff, that mustache, uh, as he's gotten older, there are all colors of the rainbow in that mustache now. But his mustache is, is, is not, it's not hair growing on his lip. Those are trained nose hairs for, for his 72 years. So don't let him kid you that those are that's actually hair growing on his lip. <laughs> Listen, I'll let you guys go. I've taken up enough of your time. Uh, the PGA Tour, as you mentioned, Bubba, the PGA Tour is so strong because of the personalities and the people. 
and I can say honestly that I love you both. And Teddy and Bubba, you're the you're the reason the PGA Tour is as strong as it is, and it continues to grow and strengthen every year that we're involved. So I thank you both for your time today. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours? <laughs>